Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. got the dose of the championship that you football junkies need ladies and gentlemen welcome to the second tier podcast i'm ryan dilks and i'm joined by the grease two to my grease one it's justin peach good afternoon how are you i'm great thanks yeah i've never seen grease two uh neither have i oh. i it's one of those things though that everyone says is terrible so i've just gone with it and just assumes they're right but if greece 2 actually is a work of art then i apologize to any greece fans what have you been up to justin um i bought a hose pipe yesterday that is probably the peak of the week um <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of interesting things i did some yoga this morning how was that it was really hot because obviously it was meant to be cold today but it wasn't Ah, uh, you know what? Trying to find, trying to make something interesting on this is is really really difficult. When no, no, it's not. Right. I'm quite interested in the whole yoga thing because yoga's something I've been considering doing because I had all the gyms are closed, so I'm having to kind of get fit in other mm-hmm. ways. So, how how would you sum up your yoga sesh? It was really quite difficult. Like I go to the gym, I cycle a lot, I'm relatively fit, but that was tricky. Is it a killer? Yeah, it was a beginner's like half an hour as well. Wow. It, gets, okay. it gets harder. <laughs> okay, well, maybe once this is all done, we'll both be proper yoga junkies and we'll, we'll go to yoga classes together. How's that sound? Namaste, Ryan. Nama bloody stay. Right, we've got plenty for you in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. We have the news, which we'll go on to in a sec. We've got our 11s. This week, we're talking about the most underrated players in the championship, as you'll have seen from the episode title. We have squad goals. Justin's picking a crap squad this week. I'm picking a great squad. And then we'll have the Craig Bryson pub quiz as always so let's go into the news there has been plenty of news this week justin real start with yeah loads and we'll start with the biggest news of the week because we've actually got football news for once (sighs) graham jones has been sacked as luton boss the Mm -hmm. hatters say the decision was in order to reduce its cost base they will revert in the interim to having chief recruitment officer mick harford in charge so where do we start off by picking the bones from this? We'll start off with Graham Jones and the decision, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not been a great season for Luton, no. has it? It's been very disappointing, really. So uh, how would you sum up Graham Jones's time in charge, really? I mean, it, it, it didn't get off to a good start, did it, when he's lost his two best players, which we've spoken about in great depth all season. He's lost mm. his two best players, um, and they haven't reinvested that money in the right places in the squad. Yeah, you know, I think that that's fair. If anyone doesn't know, who we're talking about we talk about Jack Stacey and James Justin, the two fullbacks who provided so much uh, of their width 
for them last season in League One when they pretty much stormed League One. Um, and he, as we've said plenty of time this season, he was dealt with a bit of a bum hand because he, mm. he was left with a pretty average Luton yeah. squad and they were battling against it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And obviously they spent a million pounds on a goalkeeper, which they didn't they didn't really need to do, let's be honest. You can invest that money in other areas of the squad. So as you said, he was dealt with shorthand. But from there, you know, things weren't as good as they could have been or should have yeah, been. Yeah, it seemed like when they initially got him, they were going all out for him. So the fact that they've um, taken this chance to get rid of him is... It's a bit surprising, really. But from what the statement said about it being in order to reduce its cost base, it seems like with everything that's going on at the moment, this was very much just as much as a financial decision as it was a tactical decision. Is that something you agree with? It's a strange one. From from my point of view, it's it almost feels like it's it's an easy, easy one to do, you know, it's almost like the season is starting again for 10 games. They've got a, a free hit um, in terms of, obviously, games coming in. So, yeah, it's, it's just it's just surprising. In terms of reducing costs, there are other ways to do it Yeah, that clubs are, that clubs are doing now. But the thing is, Luton aren't the richest club in the Championship. And no. I imagine Graham Jones, even though he's not a particularly big name, is one of, if not the highest paid staff member playing staff member at the club so mm-hmm. with that being said if Luton are looking to um, try and save some money then getting rid of a manager who wasn't doing so well seems like you're killing two birds with one stone I suppose yeah. really uh, but in the interim they're going to have Mick Harford in charge now he was overseeing things on the playing side when Nathan Jones left the club last season mm-hmm. when they were in League One and he kind of kept the thing, everything rolling really because they were all in yeah. this ma- manic run of form where everything was going great then mm-hmm. Harford just kept it going <laughs> when a, they had a bit of a wobble towards the end of the season but apart from that he did a very solid job but he's got a lot on his plate when football does eventually come back hasn't he? Well yeah absolutely but it's going to be interesting because obviously last time he took charge, he took charge of a winning team with a winning winning mentality. He's got a he's a it's a completely different team now, mm. um, so you can almost say that the challenges are a lot more difficult. Um, but he does have time on his side now. Yeah, well, with things as they are, it's hard to see Luton staying being in the championship next season. Um, so I suppose there isn't much pressure on Harford in that sense. In the long term, there's one debate that I saw ringing around on Luton Twitter this week, and that is Nathan Jones. Do you get him back or not? <laughs> I said this, um, what, when the, the murmurs first started to go around about Graham Jones. I was like, well, Nathan Jones is available. Mm. Um, but I mean... Hopefully, there's not too much bitterness there from the Luton fans' perspective because I think it would be a good a good appointment again. Bit of redemption for Nathan Jones. Well, there was a Twitter account who we follow. I can't remember which one. It was a Luton-specific Twitter account, and they had a poll: Nathan Jones, would you get him back or not? It finished fifty-fifty. They are so split on whether they want to get Nathan Jones back because a lot yeah. of them are still 
quite bitter, I suppose, of it, about him going to Stoke when they're on this impressive run of form mm-hmm. last season. But at the same time, he's probably the best manager they could get. Is that fair to say? And he's yeah. not going to have a big line of jobs lined up for him, I don't think, considering how no. badly things went at Stoke. So it seems to make sense for all parties, doesn't it? No, absolutely. I, I do agree. You know, as I said, you know, there's a bit of redemption there for for, Gray, uh, for Nathan Jones, I should say, um, not only for his career, but for the Luton fans. And hopefully he can build a side again that's capable of competing at the top end of League One and potentially getting promotion to the Championship again. Yeah. We'll have to see. Let's talk about the coronavirus then, Justin. Not as much news this week as there has been in past weeks on uh, the whole crisis. Uh, We'll start with this. The Daily Mail is reporting Wayne Rooney is leading a battle against (laughs) plans for a wage deferral for players at Derby. It claimed the club wants the squad to defer half of their wages, but Rooney's told them they'll only accept 25%. Uh, What is your standpoint on this being a Derby fan? Um, I mean, it was quickly quashed um, by a spokesman on behalf of Wayne Rooney, and obviously that was reported by uh, Simon Stone at the BBC Sport. Um, But, I mean, every club's doing it. I think the only reason why it's sensationalised to that extent is because it's Derby and the issues we've had this season. Mm. And it's Rooney. And it's Rooney. I I think, you know, as a captain, every captain of every club will be at the uh, uh, spearhead of these negotiations as... As we know that every club has pretty much gone through it. You look at Pontus Janssen at Brentford, he, he did the same thing, um, but it wasn't in the Daily Mail. But it's just because, it's, as you say, it's Wayne Rooney, Derby County. Um, I think as you, I think every club's going to negotiate um, as much as they can. 50% probably is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, the... The, the, the deferral Derby are requesting, well, reportedly requested, <clears throat> seems to be higher than elsewhere because most clubs seem to be 25%, 20%, but half their wages is quite a chunky amount. Well, well I mean, what do we know? Because as I say, that was it's a figure that might be sensationalised. We don't know what the, the fact is. It'll probably end up being between 30 and 20% in that region. Um that's all there is. Really. That's all there is to it. Really, to be honest with you, there wasn't there wasn't much else. Well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, gone then. <laughs> well, same old, same old. Bristol City, Cardiff, and Swansea are some of the latest clubs to agree wage deferrals with players. Uh, there are plans for the summer transfer window to be extended until at least the end of January. So that would mean it would start when this season finishes, and then just continue until then. It, I've come to the conclusion now: there isn't going to be a transfer window that's going on while football isn't taking place, if that makes sense. So it seems like we're going to have football and the window open at the same time, which is going to be weird, but it's the only way that we can get around this really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that it's it's, it's not going to be a priority, uh, improving improving squads. I think it's just going to be a case of there will be some improvements, but not to the extent we've seen over the years. And, you know, I said it a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, that it is football's turning point, hopefully, in terms of financial expenditure. Mm. 
Well, the EFL has warned that football cannot resume before adequate testing arrangements are in place for coronavirus. Kind of goes without saying that, really, doesn't it? It's something we spoke mm-hmm. about previously. Uh, getting back to football, and we'll talk about the crazy situation at Charlton. The EFL has launched an investigation into potential misconduct with regards to the takeover of Charlton by East Street Investments. It's because the majority shareholder has still yet to satisfy EFL requests for proof and source of funding. There was then a fallout between the majority shareholder and chief exec last month over proposed investments. Now, this past week, the Charlton Athletic Supporters Trust has issued a statement warning the club's very existence is under threat. The EFL investigation into the takeover poses both long and short term risks, the most obvious of which are potential EFL sanctions and a lack of funds being injected into the club, leading to relegation at best and liquidation at worst. The situation at Charlton seems to be getting even worse, Justin. It's it's so peculiar because you've got one person the, the the majority shareholder who came out and said the chief executive is wrong, he's wrongfully taking money out of the club and spending it on himself, etc. As as was reported. Um so, you know, he almost comes out like, Okay, yeah, I, I have all the money, I'll put it into the club, but it's not actually gone in yet and it's it's just so so bizarre that it's been allowed to happen again under under the EFL. Um, it seems to be their sort of um, blank spot in which they just allow ownerships to change as easily as they do without proper scrutiny. Well, it's the long line of uh, uh, ownership at Charlton, isn't it? That never seems to uh, end, unfortunately, for the supporters. Mm. Uh, Michael, O'Ne- Michael O'Neill has left his role as Northern Ireland manager after eight years in order to solely focus on his position in charge of Stoke. He was meant to oversee the qualifications for the Euros that were meant to have happened either this month or last month. Uh, mm. But they've now been pushed back with the Euros now being next year. So no surprise there either. Uh, Leeds are going to rename the South Stand at Ellen Road in honour of club legend Norman Hunter, who died aged 76 last week after contracting coronavirus. Nice touch from the the owners there. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, it'd be great for all corners of the ground to be named after legends and not have sponsored stands, but... You know, for, yeah, money's got to come from somewhere. But yeah, as you say, you know, nice touch. Yeah, nice touch from Leeds. Jan Kermigant has retired from football. He was oh. well. well it's, it's something <laughs> that's just completely passed you by. <laughs> well, I know. I, I I heard this, but when I saw it, I was like, I'm. Sh- I thought he retired after he left Reading. So, <laughs> well, he's. I tell you what, he's actually had a very <clears throat> good career at Championship level, hasn't he? He played for Reading, Bournemouth. Charlton, he's yeah. very highly thought of at Charlton, and overall he's been a very good player at this level. And he's never really broken into the Premier League. I don't think he ever really had a chance. But no. d- decent player at this level, isn't he? Yeah, no, definitely. It, it, well, I, I mentioned it the other week with my Leicester side um, that he, he he cost them a playoff final place with that Penenka penalty, um, and then he seemed to. He obviously they they got rid of him, and then. Yeah, he went to Charlton and he found himself and he became a very, very good championship striker. Yeah, and he, as I say, was highly thought of by quite a few clubs at this level. So, a good luck to Jan. And finally, Declan Rudd has quit being a vegan. Why? Apparently, his having kids is making it very difficult with meals and that kind of thing. 
You're vegan, aren't you? you? St- Are you vegan or veggie? I was vegan, but I'm now veggie. Oh. Um, Are you disappointed to lose one of your fellow veggie comrades? Well, he might have just been be, like, become a veggie. Yeah, he might have done. I don't know. I know. He's definitely not a vegan anymore. But the thing is, Ch- Preston have a chant which mentions him being vegan. And now they're going to have to change it, which is quite inconsiderate, yeah. really, from Declan Rudd's point of view, isn't it? No, yeah, definitely. He's, he's lost a chant and potentially the support of the, yeah. the, 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 the fans, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right, let's get on to the 11s, Justin. As mentioned, it's the underrated players in the championship. This was a bit difficult because we often try to pick Mm -hmm. out players who don't get enough praise in our weekly episodes when there's football on. So I've tried to avoid players we talk about too often. And then the other thing is everyone's got a different definition of the word underrated, but we'll try our best to explain why we think these players are underrated. All I'm saying is if you're a fan of a side who's near the top of the championship, don't expect to see too many players from your club here. Right, we'll start in goal, Justin. I've gone for Christian Walton at Blackburn. Now, when he joined Blackburn initially, he wasn't actually Tony Ibrae's first choice to replace David Rea at the start of the mm-hmm. season but they signed him and he had a bit of a shaky start but since then he has developed into this incredibly solid keeper and he's brilliant at commanding his area and is a great shot stopper he's not erratic he's the kind of keeper you stick in goal and you can rely on him to do a very yeah. good job his distribution's good I wouldn't say it's one of his key strengths but it's good and unfortunately for Batman fans it seems unlikely he'll be with them next season it seems like Brighton are going to give him a chance in goal where he's on loan from but he's underrated because when you talk about the top keepers in this division, he's not one of the first ones who comes to your head. But when you consider his age and his quality, he mm-hmm. probably deserves a lot more praise than what he gets. Yeah, no, definitely. It's hard to disagree with that. <clears throat> he's, he's, a, he's a keeper that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Um, and as you say, I read an article in The Athletic uh, a few weeks ago that Brighton are going to give him a chance in the first team or at least let him compete with Matt Ryan, um, which is quite a statement given that you know, Matt Ryan's had a really good, consistent season. Mm. So they all see Christian Walton, see Christian Walton as, you know, the man to, to maybe oust him. Well, he's the long-term shout, isn't he? Yeah, as, yeah. as I mentioned, he's still early 20s, so he's got a long old career ahead of him. Who have you got in goal, Justin? Um, I've gone with D- uh, Dylan Phillips. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Dylan Phillips is not the first one who came to my mind because I, I instantly thought Walton, but Phillips would probably have been my second choice. Yeah, um, obviously Dylan Phillips at Charlton Athletic. Um, he's He's been absolutely tremendous this season. I think, for me, if I was to pick a team of the season, he'd be my goalkeeper, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you, you, you can easily pick uh, goalkeepers who are at the top end of the championship and you go, oh, well, this keeper's kept this many clean sheets. Well, you know, it's part and parcel being a goalkeeper is keeping clean sheets, but you know you helped out a lot by your defence. And Dylan Phillips hasn't had the best defence uh, in front of him this season. Um, in fact, he's, he's had one of the poorest ones. But he has made the most saves in the league this season, and it's his first season in the Championship, and he's taken to it like a duck to water. And it's a knife for butter, then, but it's really nice. Yeah, it's making up saves. But as I say, you know, statistically the best goalkeeper in terms of saving shots which is what you need uh, from a goalkeeper mm. one of the most important aspects it does help yeah um, and he's been the key difference for Charlton this season they've lost a lot of games by a goal 
Um, um, I guess uh, sorry they've, they've been separated by uh, a goal in a lot of games this season and he's been a difference in those games and I think without him they'd be struggling in the bottom three yeah. without, without doubt yeah he, he saved them a lot of points this season now that mm-hmm. some of the saves some of the saves he's made have been incredible oh, yeah. as well yeah uh, Dylan Phillips is a great shout uh, he's <clears> really <throat> impressed me this season and let's see where he'll be next season is one of the questions because I imagine quite a few championship clubs might be having a look at him Right back, just in fact, before we get on to the outfield players, what formation have you got? I've gone 4 4 2. 4 4 2, standard. I've gone 4 3 3. Let's go to right back then, Justin. Who have you got on the right? It's a bit of a surprise one, and I think he goes under the radar quite a lot and quite unfairly. Um, but I've gone with Jack Hunt at Bristol City. Ooh, tell me more. Um, as I say, I think he goes under the radar quite a lot, but for the last five years, he's been a part of teams that have been competing for playoff places mm. which shows it his quality and I think every time I've seen him play he's been a pest down the right hand side his crossing ability is, is ridiculously good um, and he's, he's incredibly consistent throughout the season as well and as I say you know he's been playing for teams you know Sheffield Wednesday Bristol City who have been competing at the top end of the championship for the last five or six years and you don't you don't get that opportunity if you're not if you're not very good um, he's a very balanced fullback. He's a good size um, in terms of his, you know, um, you know strength, height, etc. Uh, and he's got a really good balance to his game, and I, I really, really like him. Well, I've gone for Maxime Collan at Birmingham mm. as my right back. I wasn't too sure if he is underrated because I, I'm pretty sure I've praised him on most episodes this season. But yeah. I've gone with him anyway because I still think he's criminally underrated because we're talking mm. about a guy who has got a great shout for being one of the, if not the best right back in the division. Um, I mean, you've got Cash, Ailing, Colan is definitely at least, he's, he's third, yeah. at least for me. Um, but the reason he is so good is because you can't, you won't find many right backs who are as technically gifted as him. And he's also defensively sound. He's got the most assists in the championship this season, which helps uh, from right back. Um, mm. And he is just a great, great, solid, wide player. And when you've got Christian Pedersen on the other side, they are Birmingham's two key uh, attacking outlets, really. And Colin, sensational player. I'm a massive fan. Honourable mentions, Andy Yeardham at Reading. Oh, Andy Yeardham, of course. Yeah, he's had a sensational season. He's, had, he's been really good this season. Really good yeah. this season. Darnell Fisher, Preston as well. Probably doesn't get enough yeah. praise when he's part of a really solid Preston defence. Centre-backs, I'll start with my two. I've gone for Tosin Adarabayo at Blackburn and mm. Millwall's Jake Cooper. They are two fairly similar defenders, really. They're both uh, quite tall. Jake Cooper, in particular, is very tall. He, he does not get beat in the air very often. Um, but they're both very good with their feet as well. It, yeah. Cooper, in particular, you look at him and you don't think he'd be the kind of a centre-back who would be good with his feet. But he is brilliant. And those cross-field balls that he does, are, you, you, you struggle to find many centre-backs who can deliver them as well as he can. And mm-hmm. defensively... Brilliant attacking threat is there, and Adora Bio is pretty much the same as well. He had a fairly indifferent season at West <coughs> Brom last season, but and then yeah. he didn't have the greatest of starts at Blackburn either. But then he, like Walton, actually, they've both really grew into the season and both been key to their fine form before, obviously, the whole coronavirus. So, yeah, they're, they're my two centre backs. Very happy with both of them, both quite mm-hmm. young as well. 
yeah. both very solid. No, definitely. I, I, I'm a massive fan of um, Adorabayo. Yeah, I think he's he's going to be a big, big player. Probably not for Manchester City, but certainly will get a chance in the Premier League hopefully next season. Mm. Who have you got, Justin? I've gone with uh, Jake Cooper's uh, centre-half partner, Sean Hutchinson, mm-hmm. and Sean Morrison. Ooh. I'm going to start with uh, Sean Hutchinson. He's, he's been around Millwall for, for a fair amount of time now. Um, and I think this season's definitely been one of his best seasons. He's ranked um, quite high in, uh, on who scored as, in terms of centre-half. I think he's the best-ranked centre-half on who scored. Um, he's got five five goals from from outfield this season, obviously from corners. You know, we know Millwall have always got a threat with from set set pieces, but Sean Hutchinson for me, I think he's got six man of the matches awards man of the match awards as well this season. He's been arguably one of the better defenders and again could be him of a shout for to to be in team of the season, especially statistically he will be. Mm. Um Sean Morrison he gets a bit of stick um, and I think quite unfairly, but he's been one of the most consistent centre halves throughout the Championship over the last three seasons. I know they had the spell in the Premier League, and he's still very, very steady. Um, and again, he's ranked one of the highest ones in, on, on on who scored, one of the highest centre halves on who scored. And I think that's testament to an unsettled season at Cardiff in terms of playing styles, changing manager. He's been consistent all season. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're my two. Yeah, the two Shawns you've gone with. Uh, my honor- spelled differently, I'll add. Oh, fair point. Honourable mentions, <laughs> Ethan Pinnock and Patrick Bauer. The reason I didn't include them is because I don't think they are underrated per se because we, we've given them plenty of praise this season. They might yeah. be underrated by other fans, but we we give them way too much praise. Uh, Left-back, Stuart Dallas at Leeds, I've gone with. I was trying to... Th- pick a left back but there wasn't really many standout options Anthony Robinson was the first one that came to my head but I couldn't really pick him when he's been in with AC Milan and <laughs> the spotlight's been on him yeah, since yeah. then and Christian Pedersen I've been tooting the horn for all season as the best left back in the division yeah we've been raving about him so I, I didn't really feel too happy with picking him so I've gone with Stuart Dallas who isn't really a left back but he has played uh, just as many games this season as at left back mm. as he has in midfield, but he has been along with Jack Harrison probably the most improved player at Leeds this season, and has been a crucial part of how well they've been doing. He runs his socks off wherever he plays because he is a very versatile player. He has been sensational, and well, Leeds fans will tell you all the time on Twitter just how good just how good he's yeah. been, and we're fans of him as well, aren't we? No, absolutely. He's been brilliant every position he's played. Right back, left back. He's played out wide, um, centre right mid. mid, left mid, everywhere. Centre mid. He's he's got an engine and a half. You know, he's he's he just runs all day, and he's got quality as well. Yeah, absolutely. Who you got left back? I've got a bit left field. I think I had the same issue in terms of like. The left backs have been very good this season, yeah. so they've been raving. They get a lot of highly. praise, don't they? Left backs, left backs do. Yeah, yeah those, those, those bloody left backs. Who have, you, oh. who have you gone with anyway? I've gone with Connor Townsend at West Brom. Oh, I did have a look at Townsend. Tell me more. Now he's not he's not played a lot of games this season, um, but since sort of the turn of the year, Nathan Ferguson's been injured. I think he was playing left back before then, um, before the turn of the year. Um, but yeah, Townsend came in, and I think. Their, West Brom's form balance has improved with him being in the side. He's got a very good left foot. 
He averages two and a half tackles per uh, a game, which means he's very reliable defensively. And as well as that, he's, he's, he's good going forward. And as I say, his left foot's great and it adds a lot of balance to that side um, in terms of their wide players because they come inside a lot, um, which means he's got the, the run of the left-hand side. And he's not as young as I thought he was. He's 27. Yeah, I only found out this week that he's 27. It's just <laughs> out of pure coincidence. Um, yeah. I, I, it completely passed me by that he's had a pretty established career in the lower leagues because uh, he, he, was, he was at Hull he was on the books at Hull mm. for quite a while, wasn't he? But never really broke into the first yeah. team. So it was kind of a floating around the lower leagues, really, wasn't he? But it's it's very tidy recruitment. Obviously, you've got Kieran Gibbs there, but we know his injury record's not the best. But you've got a very reliable backup. And as I say, West Brom's uplifting form has been helped by a very good left wing back coming in and doing a job. Yeah, definitely. Let's go into midfield then. Um, you've gone for three... Four four two. So yeah, two centimeters. We'll, we'll start with the centimeters first, then we'll go to the wide players. Um, I have got as my holding midfielder Kevin Stewart at Hull. Now, before he was injured and he, he got a really bad injury, which has really kept him out for most of the season, he was producing some unbelievable figures. The data on Kevin Stewart was sensational. He was a one-man defensive machine in that home and field. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe the figures that we were seeing. I mean, it's not too surprising because once upon a time, he did cost oh, quite a few millions of pounds. I can't remember exactly how much off the top of my head. Yeah. What was it? Six million or something like that. Yeah. And you, from a player who cost that much, you'd expect him to be producing. But he... he Never really did initially in his whole career, but then this season he's really stepped it up. And after losing Bowen and Grisicki, that's when he's come back. He has still been quite solid in that home and field, even though they have been really up against it in the second half of the season. But he has been a sensational player this season. He they've sorely missed him in midfield when he was out injured, and now that he's back. Um, obviously, he's not playing at the moment, but now that he's back, he will be crucial to Hull uh, trying to stay up in the championship this mm-hmm. season. Uh, who are your two midfielders, Justin? So I've gone with Matt Grimes at Swansea yep. and Ben Watson at Forest. OK, I have got Matt Grimes as well, but I have another Ooh. centre midfielder who I'll talk about in a sec. Let's talk about Ben Watson first. Yes, um, he deserves just a huge amount of respect. He's been, I'd say he's been Forrest's best player this season. Yeah, I don't think too many um, Forest fans will disagree with you. Yeah. You've got Matty Cash, Bryce Samba, Joe Worrell, but Ben Watson has been crucial, hasn't he? No, absolutely. He's knitted together that Forest side to, to their style of play. He's, he's absolutely perfect for it. You know, they're not a swashbuckling attacking side. They're very, very uh, compact. They're structured. And you need a player like Ben Watson in there who is he's been there and done that. He's he's experienced. Um, he's he's a leader. He's commanding. And to have that in midfield for Forest this season has has turned them into the team they are. Mm. He's been a bit of a revelation, really, Ansi. Because I mean, I was one of the uh, yes. many people at the start <laughs> of the season, including Forest fans, who were questioning why he was in this side that was going for promotion. But then he's proved the likes of me wrong by being, as you say, one of the best players uh, in that Forest side this season. Let's talk Matt Grimes, because I'm a big fan of Matt Grimes, and I don't yeah. think I've mentioned him once this season, off the top of my <laughs> head, but he works his socks off. He's one of the hardest workers in the Championship, without a doubt. And you add in 
the fact that he is technically gifted. You've got one hell of a player at Swansea, haven't you? No, absolutely. I, I do like him a lot. He's, he's a bit of an all-round midfielder, maybe a lack of goals, but you know, for example, his tackling stats, he, he, he's in the top 10 of the division and he's ahead of Calvin Phillips, who we wax lyrical over. Mm. Um, so as I say, you know, there's, there's got to be a lot of respect there for, for Matt Grimes um, in terms of his job on the pitch. Um, and I, I know that Leeds fans aren't keen on him because he had a bad spell there, but he's been a, a bit of a revelation this season. And he's captain for Swansea as well. Yeah, and he's still quite young. He's, mm-hmm. what, 24, I think. He has got many years left in his career. And I'd, I'd even go as far to say he's probably even a Premier League player now. He just doesn't get the recognition because, as you mentioned, he doesn't score many goals, but his the underlying data shows he's a, he is a quality player. Really, really tiny midfielder. Yeah, really. Uh, my other centre midfielder is Brentford's Matthias Jensen, who's probably the one Brentford, Brentford player we don't talk about enough. Oh, I love Jensen. I know. You've mentioned him a few times. I have praised him on... A couple of occasions, but not as much as I probably should do, because this is a guy who could end up going right to the top, because he had plenty of promise early in his career. He made a move to Spain, which didn't turn out too well, but he still has many years left in his career, and as he's showing at Brentford this season, he is a very, very good player, and it really wouldn't surprise me one day if he did make it to the top. He is your kind of box-to-box player, and he complements the likes of Norgard and De Silva very well in that Brentford midfield. They've got a real player on their hands, and the fact that he got him for three million quid, I think it was, at the start of the season, is excellent business, which is not typical of Brentford whatsoever at all, is it? Honourable <laughs> uh, mentions, Sam Klukas at Stoke. One you agree Really hard to... I, I would agree, but it's really hard to put him down in one position, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the other thing as well, it's it's a bit difficult to praise a, a player who's part of a side that has struggled so much this season, isn't it? But he has been a standout player for Stoke. Oh, yeah, he's, he's been the standout player, really. By, by miles, yeah. yeah. Stuart Downing was another one. Um, yeah, I need to put him in a left-back. Yeah, a, another player you struggle to put... Um, in too many positions I didn't include because I've already got two Blackburn players in there <laughs> but I, I mean Stoke Downing <laughs> is, he has been one of the signings of the season without a doubt and Jake Livermore kind of the same as Ben Watson really in the way that he's been crucial a crucial part of a side gunning for promotion Jake Livermore I'd go as far to say should be really within a shout of being oh, yeah. Sky Bet Championship player of the season because yeah. he has been crucial to West Brom this season but because he's your old-fashioned holding midfielder, he's not the kind of player who's pinging passes like Calvin Phillips. He doesn't get as much praise as he should do. But really, he has had as as much of an influence on this West Brom side this season as anyone, including the likes of Pereira, Diangana. So Romain Sawyer's here. Yeah, so I, I'd definitely say Livermore should be. In, in fact, Romain Sawyer's is another good shout as well for an underrated player who... Uh, doesn't get the uh, the praise that he deserves. Who have you got on your right wing, Justin? Um, I I think he's massively underrated, not only by everybody but by his own manager as well. Um, I've gone with Nicholas. Allard. As soon as you said that by his own manager, I knew exactly who you're going to be talking about. <laughs> but Nicholas Alliansen, that left foot, wow, wand. It's a wand. He's he's only made 16 starts, 17 sub appearances, yeah. which for a player whose return is 12 assists. Is is not enough, you know? Is it is is he a victim of the system or is he overrated? No, no idea. Only Lee Johnson knows why he doesn't play enough. Um, he's probably a victim as well of Bristol City's streaky form because he's a he's a, he's a winger, you know. 
you rely on wingers to be attacking, to be uh, creative, offensive, etc. And obviously, if they're not playing well, they're not always going. You know, your wingers aren't going to be returning. Teams not playing well, wings aren't going to be returning. Um, good form either. But twelve assists speaks for itself. Yeah, he he is a bit of a weird one, really, that he's not playing more at Bristol City, isn't it? But his data this season. His, I think his chance creation rate is ridiculous. I, last yeah, time I yeah, checked, yeah. I think it was like he was creating a chance every 30 minutes, which is unbelievable. As you mentioned, his assists, his crossing, all the data points to a lad who is a creative genius on the wing, but just doesn't really get the praise from including his own manager, really. Yeah. Well, Bristol, right Bristol, saying... Bristol City fans do love him. Yeah, no, yeah. Clearly, because he's quality. Am I right in saying he's stored on a new contract? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, My (laughs) right winger is definitely not underrated by his own fans or his own manager, for that matter. But from from the perspective of other fans in the division, maybe don't appreciate just how good this guy is. It's Andre Ayew at Swansea. Because we're talking about a guy who has been so, so crucial to... Swansea's playoff push this season he I mean it's a bit it's a bit weird talking about a guy who's underrated when he's played in the Champions League in the past and he uh, he must have cost Swansea (laughs) millions of pounds when he did move to them initially I think it was 20 million yeah but still he doesn't get appreciated enough as a guy who is right up there as one of the best attackers in this league because he is unbelievable he uh, when it comes to the combination of how many goals and assists he's contributed this season. He is one of the top players in the league, but he doesn't get the praise for it, Justin. I don't know why. No, I, I agree. I've got him as one of my strikers. Oh, OK. I, I mean, he's played most um, of his games at right wing this season, so you've cheated there. But Oh, no, he's, he's played a fair <laughs> few as a centre-forward as well because I don't have any centre-forwards other than Rui Brewster. Thank you. Anyway. Right. Who's, your, um, who's your left winger then? We'll get on to him. What? My left winger is uh, Bright as A, Samuel. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we've praised him loads this season, so I'm not sure I, I'd agree he's underrated, but he, he's, I, he's a top player, I'll give you that. I, I think he's gone on the radar because of Everett Easy. Um, but as A, Samuel has been unplayable since, what, late December? Yeah. He struggled, he struggled a bit form-wise um, in the first few months of the season, but he's really picked up. He averages 2.8 dribbles a game, which... Is, is a ridiculous amount. Um, you're getting, you're beating two or three players every game. Yeah, he's a tank, isn't he? He is really strong. He's ridiculously <laughs> quick, uh, and his dribbling is is unbelievable. The one thing I probably hold against him is maybe consistency. But yeah, I mean, I've put that here. If you get consistency out of him, <laughs> you've got another player like Ebrich. He's, yeah, he's easily. Yeah, he's a raw talent, and he has been linked with a move away from QPR. Um, I can't. Mm-hmm. I saw rumours this week, but I can't remember where he was linked with. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did get a move. And then if he's got the mm-hmm. right manager, you've got one hell of a player on your hands. Uh, my left winger, <coughs> excuse me, is Martin Waghorn at Derby. Now, old Waggy. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't have a go at me about Andre Ayew and then claim Martin Waghorn's left Martin winger. Martin Waghorn just plays where he wants. He's, he, he is the kind of player who plays... All, all across the front three. But anyway, I've got Martin Wycorn down as my left winger. Now, Martin Wycorn, you're, you're a Derby fan. Would you say Martin Wycorn is underrated by Derby fans? I think he is. I've given him stick it this season as well because he should have five or six more goals easily. 
Well, I mean, you could say that about loads of strikers. Oh, no, absolutely. But, you know, he's missed a couple of penalties that probably would, points-wise, would put us in the playoffs if he did put them away. Well. Um, <clears throat> he turned two draws into wins there. Um, I, I, I do agree. He, he does a lot of work. He's played every game under Kaku. I mean, he is a class class player and he doesn't get the praise from Derby fans or fans across uh, other clubs at the league. He, I mean, you talk about that season at Ipswich a couple of seasons ago where he got something like nearly 30 goals and, and assists. Yeah. And he, he's not really reproduced that form at Derby since, but he's still been incredibly important to what they've done this season. He is, he's, he's a very tidy forward. He, he's... Yeah, he's, he's, he's not... A sexy forward. No, he he works he gets, hard. He yeah. is he's got a great core strength <coughs> to him. He's r- reasonably quick. He, he's not slow by any means, but he's quite mm. nippy. And then he's also quite tidy on the ball as well. And he's a, a decent finisher. Just he just goes under the radar. Who's your final striker? Then we know one of them is Au. Who's the other one? I I want you to take a guess. I think we might have the same striker, Justin. Okay then. I've gone with Matt Smith. Okay, I've gone for Mara Sheju. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we're onto something then. <laughs> no. See, Matt Smith, he has been given plenty of stick over the years, Auntie, and just put down as this big, lanky yes. target man. But why do you mm-hmm. think he's underrated? I've said it before. I've I, I probably said it almost every week. Matt Smith needs so much more respect. That's from fans, it's from clubs he's played at. I don't think he's just a super sub. I think you can not build a team around him, but you can certainly, from an attacking perspective, you can build your attack around him, literally. Um, Okay, he is limited, but what he does is he gets teams out of danger. He's a threat uh, in attack, as we know, but defensively as well, he's, he's a huge, huge help to have. He works hard. You know, corn, defensively uh, corners, he's useful. And 11 goals and four assists, but only 16 starts. It's, it's good numbers. How would you literally build an attack around someone? By putting, like, castles and well, forts? I, my thinking was he's literally as big as a building. He's not literally as big as a building, though, is he? Yeah, I mean, if... a, shed, a shed is technically a building, and I'd put him down oh, okay. as, being as tall as a Maybe shed. Maybe he is as tall as a shed. Or, like, a really small uh, conservatory. Or something like that. Uh, for Mara <laughs> he's, he's another player, actually. He probably doesn't get praised enough by his own fans. Mm-hmm. He has been a very solid forward for Bristol City now for three or four seasons. Yeah. And in all those seasons, he's got a decent goal tally. And he also yeah. contributes to the play as well because he, he's his uh, figures for winning aerial battles is are pretty good. I mean, he's, he's pretty tall, so you'd expect him to, but they're pretty good as they are. He mm-hmm. is a good target man at this level, and Bristol City fans get frustrated with him. But really, he is a decent player to have in now, your side. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I think the issue with Jeju is he hasn't got a prolific forward alongside him. Vyman's not, uh, not going to hit you 15, 20 goals in the season. If you have a player like that in around Jeju, and I know Naki Wells now, which is really, really useful for him. Because it takes the heat off him, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I do agree with you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite tricky to pick out uh, underrated strikers because strikers are 
nowhere near underrated, really, are they? But they're, 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 goals, yeah. Waghorn, Jeju are two players who really stood out to me. Uh, Honourable mentions, Connor Chaplin, Corley Boudreau. Didn't pick them because we've praised them quite a lot this season, but I feel like they are yeah. quite underrated and will both be in the championship next season, I'm sure. Uh, Lukas Jokovic was the other one. Someone who... I, I think he gets... I think he gets a lot of praise. He gets a lot of praise from Blues fans, but from, I love I love Lucas. Oh yeah, so do I. But from other fans in the league, probably doesn't get the praise that he deserves. Hmm. Right, squad goals, Justin. This is the part of the show where me and Justin look back at a a squad that was really good and b a squad that was really shit. Right, I'll go first, Justin, because since I've got the good squad, I've gone with the Bristol City side from 2007, 2008. This side is best known for losing in the playoff final to Hull, thanks to that <laughs> famous Dean Windass volley. But that kind of co- covers up how much of an achievement it was for them to get where they did, because they'd only just been promoted to the championship and had a fairly unfashionable side. But what they did have were a core group of players who became a real team, the likes of Cole Skews, Marvin Elliott, Jamie McAllister, Bradley Orr, Adriano Basso, Liam Fontaine, and of course, uh, Lee Johnson. Every player I mentioned there made over 150 appearances for the club. And for just about all of them, this was the peak of their careers, really. Mm. Basso, Orr and Elliott in particular were sensational in this season. And the latter two were actually named in the team of the season. Basso was probably a bit unlucky not to get there, really, because he was brilliant. Uh, There's one unbelievable thing about this side, Justin. Can you guess how many goals the top scorer for Bristol City got this season. Now, as soon as you said that side, I, I, all I can think of is Dele Bola being very clumsy in the playoff <laughs> final. So I'm going to guess the top scorer got eight goals. He did get eight goals, but it wasn't Dele oh, Bola. Okay. It, da- it, it was Darren Byfield. Uh, oh, wow, that's a name. Yeah, so only eight goals for their top scorer this season. Uh, this side finished fourth in the Championship when the top scorer only got eight. In fact, they only scored 54 goals all season. So not much more than a goal a game. Colchester, who finished bottom, got more goals than them. Um, (laughs) That's a great In fact, 16 teams scored more or just as many goals in them in the championship this season. You're probably thinking then that that they had a ridiculously brilliant defensive record. But it wasn't really. They, f- they had the seventh best offensive record in the division. Even Leicester, who got relegated, uh, conceded fewer <laughs> in that season. So it's quite remarkable that they finished where they did. It was Gary Johnson's finest season as a football manager. In the two seasons afterwards, he guided them to 10th place both times before leaving in 2010 after an alleged altercation with some of the players. And then it all went downhill after that, really. Uh, they got relegated a season or two afterwards. But Bristol City... Really great side that season. They had a, just a really great core of underrated, solid players. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, would, would I say underrated or just riding a wave? Maybe riding a wave. Either way, Gary Johnson did a brilliant job there. Yeah, he's yeah, never yeah. really done as well there as he has done anywhere else. I mean, he got he got that Yeovil team up to the championship, which was unbelievable. Oh yeah, massive achievement considering what they were working with. But mm-hmm. getting that side to the playoff final, nearly into the Premier League. They probably would have got absolutely mullered if they did get to the Premier League. But I mean, but Hull were in a similar situation, weren't they? Yeah, but uh, yeah, but they had the likes of Jimmy Bullard, didn't they? Who he was a Premier League player. I can't think of too many players in that 
Bristol City side were Premier League players. They were just maybe overperforming Championship players. I, that might be a bit harsh, but that that's how it seems. <laughs> it's how it seems on the surface, really, because there weren't too many stars in that side. Anyway, who's your crap side? So I've gone with the 2016-2017 Rotherham United side. Oh, poor Rotherham. I I have I have a bit of a weird affinity with the Millers after previous FM exploits, <laughs> um, specifically 2010. Right. Um, back in the uh, back when that the right, Don stop Man. reminiscing about Football Manager. <laughs> Tell us about this Rotherham um, side. Yeah, this side definitely needs a mention. Um, they were terrible. They were ill-equipped. This. Should not have been anywhere near the championship that season. Um, firstly, they went wrong by appointing Alan Stubbs as their manager. See, I, I feel sorry for Alan Stubbs because he was quite highly rated going into that, and everyone thought he might do a decent job, but he didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he didn't. And it, it pretty, it pretty much ended his managerial career before he even began in England. Uh, I mean, you guided Hibs out of the Scottish Championship. Well done. Um, doesn't make you a good championship <laughs> manager. Might have sounded a bit harsh, but yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, they went wrong with that. He was sacked in October after a dreadful start. Just won, just won once. Um, and then Kenny Jackett came in. And I, I sort of remember this. He's a, he's, a, he's a steady championship manager, a very good League One manager. Um, so you think, okay, you're going to turn this around. No, no, you're not. <laughs> After five games, he thought, "Fuck this, I'm off." <laughs> uh, apparently, it came. It came as a. Sh- uh, that, that's not a statement, by the way. Um, <laughs> I would love it if that was the official <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, well, apparently, it came as a shock to the club. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I don't know why but, he took the job, really, because Kenny Jackett is is a very good manager at this level. Yeah, really, he, he, he was quite sore after leaving Wolves, wasn't he? Because you know, very very good um, finishes with Wolves back after they were promoted so you know and then getting sacked or leaving yeah. was I imagine pretty sore for him but the best thing that could have happened happened after that for Rotherham United um, and as I say I put down the best thing in their recent history is that they appointed Paul Warren um, as he as, as the manager and he's now putting the pride back into the club um, as obviously the following season they'll promote it back to the championship um, however more on that season they finished uh, the finished season with just five wins wow they got zero wins away from home and take a stab at how many goals they scored, or, uh, how many goals they conceded. Sorry, all season. I'm going to assume it's a lot. I'm going to say yes. ninety. Close, ninety-eight. Wow, <laughs> they conceded ninety-eight goals all season. Quite rightly relegated. I think they're the worst team in Championship history, literally. Mm. Um, yeah, Rotherham United. The thing is, as well, Paul Warren. He was the interim manager from the end of November. That's when he was appointed. And he wasn't given the permanent manager's job until the start of April, which doesn't no. help with the whole yeah. uncertainty thing, does it? No, but they did, no, but... In fairness, they did have a few decent players who went on to uh, do yeah, they did. quite decently. Danny Ward, uh, Will yeah. Volks, yeah. Joe Mattock as well. De- decent mm-hmm. players. Uh, but then there was also the typical ringers who seem to crop up quite a lot when we do uh, these lists just in Lee Camp. Uh, Tom Adiyemi. He pops up a lot. Yeah, who was the other one I noticed? Greg Halford, Peter Odom Wingy. That that's bloody hell. How's that's completely passed me by. Uh, right, let's get <laughs> on to the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Justin, this is the part of the show where Justin asks me six questions about a random championship legend mm-hmm. who has over two hundred championship appearances. Who is it? I need to find out. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I, was thinking, I, was, I was about to tell you then. I was thinking to myself, hang on a minute, I'm, about, I'm asking Justin, who is it? <laughs> I need to guess who it is. Right, give me the first clue, Justin. 
I made 290 appearances, uh, scoring eight goals. 290 appearances is a lot. Eight goals is not a lot, though. So What's that ratio? Not a lot. No. Dale Fryer is also at that Rotherham side as well. Interesting. On loan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luke Chambers. No. no. I'm pretty sure he scored more than that. He was, yeah, he's quite handy at set he pieces, isn't he? Yeah. I represented five clubs in the championship. Oh, you're not giving me a lot, a lot there, are you? Um, don't worry, don't worry. Five clubs in the championship. <laughs> Wes Morgan? No, he's played for more than five, hasn't he? No, less than five. Hmm. Yeah, next one. I was part of two promotion winning teams, but I was only promoted once. What? <laughs> I presume you mean he was part of a promotion winning side, but didn't go up with them he, he went to another championship club correct okay. yes uh, Barry Douglas no 290 purses no he's, played, he's not played that many has he no go on I have been an FA Cup runner up twice once with West Ham and once with Portsmouth West Ham and Portsmouth Matty Taylor no Good no, shout. I don't think he's, he hasn't got 290 appearances either. Mm. He, he would have scored more goals in that time as well. I'm best known for my spells at Crystal Palace and West Ham before winding down my career at Birmingham City and finishing at Notts County. Okay. How many clues have I got left? You got one after this. Oh, wow. Uh, can you say that clue again, please? I am best known for my spells at Crystal Palace and West Ham United before winding down my career at Birmingham City and finishing at Notts County. Right, so best known for his spells at Palace and West Ham. Wine. And he's played for Portsmouth as well. For Portsmouth. There was a loan spell at Reading, but it's not really relevant. Um, Crystal Palace and West Ham. I'm still thinking it's a defender, but I might be completely wrong. I can't think of anyone. What's your last clue? I'm currently manager of Watford's under-21 side, as well as having a spell as their caretaker manager earlier this season. Ooh, I feel like I should know that. He, This player goes under the radar, but he is, quite rightly, a championship legend. Caretaker manager at Watford? This season? Oh, I'm wary of wasting too much time. Um <laughs> I know. I feel like I should know this and it, you, when you say it, it's going to kill me, but go on. Hayden Mullins. Wow, well, OK. I, I, would, I wouldn't have got that. See, Really? I, I don't really remember him playing for Palace. I remember him being at West Ham, but Pal- his spell at Paris. Early years at Palace. Yeah. Early years. That passed me by. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that, I don't think. So fair play. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him being at Portsmouth as well, because he was there. He, he was one of the... Uh, players who was part of that like high, highly paid group, but mm-hmm. kind of stuck around for quite a while afterwards. But yeah, fair play, good one. Like Hayden Mullins. Thank you. Yeah, that's all right. You did a good job there. Thank you for listening to the Second Tier <laughs> Podcast. As always, if you wouldn't mind supporting us in any way you can, that would be truly appreciated. Why not give us a review? If you're listening to this right now, why not take one minute of your day to give us a review? on iTunes, write a little description of how good we are or how terrible we are. Either way, we'll appreciate it. We're not doing anything else. Well, maybe not if you tell us how terrible we are, we won't appreciate it. But, I mean, just do something, please. (laughs) And we'll we'll, we'll take it, we'll definitely take it to heart 
if you don't. Anyway, I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.